right. So you're a music artist with plans to take over the world, huh? Yeah, duh. That's why I'm here. Well, you've come to the right place. Let's go. Welcome to the I Am Northbound podcast. Podcast. Your guide to dominating the new music industry. What is up, my world-changing music artist? It's Jason here, back again with another episode of I Am Northbound. Thank you so much for joining me today. And guess what? I'm doing the video again. Kind of. Well, before I'd set up, you know, whole camera angles and that kind of thing. And um, it was too much work and it took too much time out of my day. So now what I'm going to do is just video me recording the podcast from just a little camera angle there so I can put it back on Instagram. And so you guys uh, can, because uh, a few people have said that they preferred watching the podcast on Instagram than just listening to it. I mean, hey, if you've got half an hour to sit around and just watch this face on your screen, then that's your life, you know? But, uh, you know, I appreciate it. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to put these videos back up and see if you can, uh, you know, see if, it, see if it makes it everyone happy again, which is cool. But thank you so much for joining me today. Hope you're doing fantastic. I'm coming to you from a very beautiful rainy day here in Australia. And I tell you, with all the bushfires going on and everything across Australia, rain is more than welcome. So stay as long as you want rain, rain the entire time. Who cares? Rain for the next three weeks. I do not care. You know, I saw a friend put up a uh, Instagram story a while back about how they weren't having fun on their holiday because they were stuck, you know, under covers while it was raining and they're like, it's not very fun, is it? I don't feel, I feel like that should be a jailable offense to say that when there's a, these bushfires going on. Every bit of rain is welcome. <laughs> anyway, I just thought I'd uh, do a little little pocket roast on that person just there for that, for that type of thing. Anyway, hope you're doing fantastic. Hope everything is great in your world. Did you check out last week's episode of the podcast? Hope you did because we talked about some really cool stuff. I think last week's episode was one of the most important episodes I've ever done. The whole idea of it's like how to change your entire mindset of shaping uh growing your audience and becoming an authoritative figure that moves your audience toward becoming a true fan of what you do what you do that's what i was trying to say if i could speak english and yeah it all comes down to one single sentence that lists the i think it's five dot points that you need to be doing uh to make sure that you're moving people toward that uh, yes, yeah, so definitely go check that out if you haven't. I personally feel like it's the most important episode I've ever released. Um, and yeah, I'll even, I'm not going to, you know, those people who say that about every episode, I'll say that today's content is going to be great, but it's nowhere near as important as last, last week's episode. Jeez, I should uh, go back to, I should practice speaking before I do a podcast. Uh, it's nowhere near as important as last week's episode was. So if you haven't checked that out, go and do it. I know it might not be the most uh, flashy thing or the most exciting thing to talk about, but that like one sentence persuasion thing is all you need to know to move people to become, you know, to grow real following that's going to follow you doing anything. I need to listen to that more. If I want to grow what I'm doing, I should be paying attention to it more. But if you're here now listening, I've probably just stumbled across one of those things and it brought you here, right? So you do the same for your fans and followers and that's how you're going to get way more interest in your content and that type of thing as well. So anyway, I'm going to get to straight to the point for this week's episode. I'm going to tell you three persuasion tactics that you can use to grow your audience even more uh, to things you should keep in mind with your messaging. Okay. So I feel like uh, as the podcast is changing and shaping, I want to dive more into the specifics of the messaging. There are so many podcasts out there that are answering questions about the music industry. Like how do I go about booking shows? How do I post to Instagram? How do I use my bio? And I feel like I've said that before. I don't want to repeat myself. I want to get into new, fresh and exciting 
exciting stuff for those that are willing and ready and are interested in finding that next level and finding a way to cut through the noise and make sure that the content you're putting out to your audience isn't unknowingly or accidentally uh, tripping over itself or saying things that have been proven through psychological studies to be um, redundant, right? So I feel like I'm trying to get that message across to you. And I guess uh, today we'll be able to talk about three of those things. So I, as I said, you can see behind me if you're watching on the video this way, move this way. I've, there's a lot of books on my shelf. I read all the time and I've got so many more just scattered throughout the house. There's a ton in my bedroom too. So it's just like I've got piles of books everywhere. Uh, and it's really cool to go back and revisit some or as I'm reading, I'm going to like let you know about little dot points I find that I think are relevant. You guys are always on my mind. You're always on my mind. I'm always, as I'm reading, thinking, oh, can't wait to tell him this. Can't wait to tell him that. And uh, I forget sometimes. So <laughs> it's cool to go through and do it this way. Uh, but yeah, so I've got this book here by uh, Noah J. Goldstein, Steve J. Martin, and Robert Cialdini. And so Robert Cialdini did Influence, which is one of the most referred to or referenced, that's the best word, uh, books on persuasion and uh, how to create effective messages that move people. And he kind of wrote it from more of a psychology standpoint, but people have applied it to business and it's very well recognized. And years later, he wrote another book. He wrote, he wrote, he wrote Influence back in 1990, I think early 90s or late 80s or something like that, around that time, give or take 10 years. And then he wrote his new book, Presuasion, in I think 2000 and... I know it was like a couple of years ago. So it was about three years ago, four years ago, maybe. Anyway, that's a fantastic book as well. But anyway, this book, it's called Yes. It's uh, 50 Scientifically Proven Ways to Be Persuasive. This book is uh, really good. And it's uh, it, I knew what it was before I bought it, uh, which kind of just made me more interested in it. It's uh, essentially the people that he worked with on the psychological studies that he uses when he... Uh, wrote influence i'm just gonna adjust my chair <sighs> he wrote influence and uh he worked with specific people on the studies that he used to kind of shape that book and this is a book written by them the other guys and they kind of dive into those studies a bit more but kind of break it down and make it way more applicable to the business world uh influence is great but as i said it's written for more of the psychology study side of things this tells you how to apply it to your day-to-day -day life and the chapters are only a few pages long because there's 50 points within this book so it's super easy to get through i haven't finished this yet but uh, i'm really enjoying it and i read a couple of them that i think would be really good for you so we're going to talk about three of them today uh the first one we're going to talk about is really interesting it's uh how you can inconvenience your audience in your message to make them want what you're giving out more sounds crazy because you think in this day and age everyone's saying make things as simple as possible and don't put roadblocks in between you and what you want your audience to do which is true definitely don't put roadblocks in but you can craft your message in a specific way that can make people desire it more uh, than if you just said hey it's here come and get it so this more or less, I'm not going to read you the chapter because I'm not here to record the audiobook version of this for you, but I want to just give you the dot points. So there was a woman who sold uh, a thing called a Nordatrack, which is a exercise machine in an infomercial. And she changed something very slight in her messaging uh, that made way more people interested in buying this specific piece of exercise equipment. 
So you, we've all seen infomercials. I think it's really interesting to watch infomercials and realize at what point do you, as a person who flicked it over or if for some reason hasn't changed the channel yet, how long do you watch it before you start moving from going, ah, oh, this is one of those bloody infomercials I do not care for to being like, you know what? I could probably make use of that. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Or uh, how much is this? Because I feel like that's 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 impressive. So, at what point are you sold? Because if you can start to find that point, then you will start to understand how people, like other where other people become sold on them as well. Because it's easy to think, oh, you know, no one would ever buy these types of things. But people buy them. They obviously have enough money to run these hour-long advertisements on uh, late night TV. But you know. It, they obviously they obviously work. So uh, some people actually go and find the transcripts, or they manually write out the transcripts for these infomercials and see how they're actually selling and like breaking it down. Like, are they talking about the features? Are they talking about the benefits? Are they talking about what it would like? Uh, you know, the cost effectiveness or how much it will save you time, like that type of thing. And then trying to apply that to their own business because obviously these people running the infomercials know what they're doing. They're very good at selling, so they know exactly what you should be doing. So look to those infomercials and uh, see how they're selling their product and think, how could I bring some of those principles to music? Well, I'll tell you one now that might not be what you think. So usually when uh, they ask you to, you know, they, they do the close or they say this is where it's available now. Only a couple of installments of this much money or you can buy it outright for this much money plus shipping and handling. They'll always say something like, operators are waiting, please call now right? Everyone's seen that kind of message before. It always comes up on the screen. Operators are waiting. Please call now. And then they put uh, scarcity and exclusivity on the product by saying only this many available, only available to the next 25 customers that makes you want to, uh, makes you feel like that you'll miss out if you don't call now, like it's to put pressure on you to pick up the phone. Uh, but this lady, I just said her name a second ago and I've forgotten it already. Her name is, uh, well, I didn't say it before. It's Colleen SZ0T. Now you tell me how to say that. Zot. I have no idea. And I apologize to whoever I've disappointed by not saying that correctly. But anyway, she changed her tagline from, this is the thing, these infomercial people test, right? They, they find things out, they test it. And if it works, they keep it. If they don't, they change it back. So what you're seeing on these infomercials are the result of many years of selling. It's not just them having a go at trying to sell you something. They've refined, right? So really pay attention to them. She changed the line from operators are waiting, please call now to if operators are busy, please call again. Ah, do you see the difference? It sounds subtle and it's not like she's put like, you might've thought when I said about inconveniencing your audience that you're putting a roadblock in between, like you have to do something in order to get it. Not at all. It's, uh, it's about changing the wording to make people desire it more. So I'll read you this little bit here because it explains it better than I probably could. Uh, on the face of it, the change appears foolhardy. After all, the message seems to convey that potential customers might have to waste their time dialing and redialing the toll-free number until they finally reach a sales representative. Yet the surface view underestimates the power of the principle of social proof. When people are uncertain about a course of action, they tend to look outside themselves and to other people around them to guide their decisions and actions. In the Colleen SZOT example, Consider this. Consider the kind of mental image likely to be generated when you hear operators are waiting. Scores of bored phone representatives filing their nails, clipping their coupons, or twiddling their thumbs while they wait by their silent telephones. An image indicative of low demand and poor sales. Now consider how your perception of the popularity of the product would change when you heard the phrase, if operators are busy, please call again. Instead of those bored, inactive representatives, you're probably imagining operators going from phone to phone 
phone to call, uh, from phone call to phone call, sorry, without a break. In the case of the modified, if if operators are busy, please call again line. Home viewers follow their perceptions of others' actions, even though uh, those others were completely anonymous. After all, if the phone lines are busy, then other people like me who are also watching this infomercial are calling too. So, you see what I mean? Just that simple change. Whoops, hit the microphone there. Uh, Sorry if that blew your ears out. Um, it's just a simple change in your copy and the way you go about your message. That slight amount makes people desire it more because it paints a different picture. If you use words that are saying like, go listen to my, I mean, I'm making stuff off the top of my head, but if you said something like, go listen to my music, I can't wait to hear your feedback. If you paint the picture that other people are listening to it already and you're getting a lot of feedback, other people will naturally want to do it more. There's actually a really uh, interesting other study in here about how people kept stealing petrified wood from a forest and they decided to, oh my goodness, that was the weirdest thing ever. I saw this massive shadow in the corner of my office. Like it was a monster in the room it was huge but it was my cat next to the lamp never seen that before anyway so people kept stealing this uh, petrified wood and they put up signs saying too many people essentially are stealing petrified wood please stop stealing it because it's not good for the rainforest uh for the for the forest sorry not a rainforest and the interesting part about it was that those signs actually made people steal more. It's because people will follow the crowd regardless of whether the crowd is doing the right thing or the wrong thing. They just tell themselves, uh, well, if other people are doing it, then I should do it too. So putting signs up that say, hey, too many people are stealing, so we'd prefer it if you didn't, they're going to follow the crowd. They'll think, well, other people are doing it. I'll do it too. But if you go back the other way and say, um, you know, please don't steal wood because it damages the forest. That reduced a lot of the, um, the the people stealing, right? So, it's the same thing. People follow the crowd, whether that's good or bad. So, that's what you should be thinking about when you create your message. Build the image that the crowd is already doing it, okay? If you're able to do that, you uh, you can make big things happen for your music for sure. So, think about that. Now, the second one I'm going to tell you about is uh, why uh, you shouldn't I mean, I feel like I've kind of touched on two there already. I'll, I'll touch on a second one, a third one, sorry, and then I'll tell you uh, an in-depth one on the fourth. So, there's another example here in this book where they dive into why you shouldn't provide too many options to your audience. They did a test where they gave people like 10 varieties of ice cream and they thought that that would make people want ice cream more, but it's almost like it's informational choice overload and people don't know what one to pick. So, they end up just not deciding on anything and removing like and walking away without buying anything. Yet, however, so if you go and buy, if you sell your uh, products or whatever you put out for them, say if the ice creams went from ten choices to three, people buy way more because it's 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 much easier for them to decide what they want. Uh, you would think that it works the other way around, and that's why I find psychological tests like this fascinating because I love assuming things will be one thing and then finding out people just act the total opposite. There's a book that uh, sums up all that kind of stuff by Dan Ariely and it's aptly named Predictably Irrational and that's how humans are. Predictably Irrational. You think that we'll respond one way and we just don't. So, it's really interesting about that. So, you would think that more options would mean people would buy more because there's more to choose from but if there's too many choices, people don't really know what to choose and they end up just going, I can't be bothered. It's too much to think about. But the easier you can make their purchase decision, the easier it will be. So, I feel like the same thing should go for your music journey, okay? Don't try to try try to push people to too many things at once. Focus specifically on one, like one album. That's why I don't agree with people saying that you should be releasing as much music as you possibly can because it does the same thing. You're putting too many songs out there and people don't know when to listen to it. Uh, You're not going to... I don't feel like it's like that with music that if you just tell someone 
about a song and they don't get it immediately that they're not going to get it. They might need several points of exposure. They probably do before they will listen to your song. So, you're just going to have to keep promoting that same song before someone will go, now you've said enough about it for me to go check it out. Now, that doesn't mean to put the same message out all the time saying, hey, listen to my latest song. Hey, listen to my latest song. That doesn't work. Here's the secret. What you should be doing is saying, first time, hey, here's my new song. I'd love it if you could listen to it. Now, some people, the people who listen to it are the ones that don't need any more messaging after that. However, there will be a lot of people out there. The majority will need other forms of access points that suit their specific uh, individual interests and um natural tendency. Okay. So, I talk about that a lot in my book and how to provide those access points. But specifically in this example, when you look at it on a micro level, just trying to promote a single song, you might come in and say, hey, I just want to tell you the story behind me creating this song and tell the backstory of what led you to create that song. Now, that's another access point. Some people might hear that and uh, that might be enough to convince them. Uh, maybe you go back to the song and say, hey, this is my, uh, this is what I hope my song does for you. Like, here's the benefit you'll receive from getting, listening to my song. That's your motivation. That's going to get other people listening to that song as well, like an under separate group of people. Now, thirdly, you might even come in and say, here's behind the scenes footage of me creating this song. Let's look at the instruments I use. Look at the, I don't know, the whatever. Now, maybe that's another group of people. And then might, you might bring out another bit saying, hey, this is the same song, but I want to tell you about the lyrics that I wrote and what they mean. Some people like the lyrics. So, you're trying to please everyone in their own individual fields. Now, don't just do each message once. Repeat each message multiple times, but not one after the other. Like, rotate the messages around, but keep doing that and you'll, you'll hit every single possible person. People need multiple points of exposure before they'll listen to something, but you're getting every single angle and giving people millions of reasons to come and check out your song. Okay. Well, they build their own reasons themselves based on what they're expecting out of it. So, don't just come out and say, hey, listen to my song. Here's my new album. Here's my new album. Please check it out. People do that way too much. I see it every day. It doesn't work. Provide all the context around it to make sure you hit every single base. Stop uh, stop trying to promote yourself, to promote your music in this one-dimensional way. I guess that's why I call the book the 4D songwriter, right? Promote it in the four-dimensional way. Anyway, so but that's that's ex- just a quick overview of how you could do that. But that's the, if you start promoting new songs every second day, like I hear, like Gary V talks about it. Uh, he, you know, there are other people too in the uh, Gary V's not in the industry, but there I've seen other people in the industry recommend about just throwing as much music out there and seeing what sticks. But I disagree. If you spend time working on something great, you need to promote it because you could have written a fantastic song that you just promoted to the wrong audience at the wrong time and it didn't take off and you think it didn't work, so you're going to get rid of it. But what if that song is your next hit, you know? If you know it's good, if it represents your internal vision, well, that's what you promote, but you have to you have to do it by pleasing everyone, okay? So, do that. But obviously, that ties back into the point. So, don't give too many choices to your audience of too many things at once because people won't Know what to choose, right? So, focus on one thing or just a couple of things and promote them. But think about the not not like their single dots, but like their three-dimensional images, like everything around them that you can bring people in. So, the motivation, the story, uh, the, uh, the lifestyle, the, your location is a big other one that you could be doing. Any bit of context will help a different type of listener be more interested in your content. So, you've got to be providing that or you can't expect people to listen to your music. Um, yeah, that kind of works as well. But other than that, if you're just not getting people listening, you know, I've said it a million times by now, you need to provide more backstory about why they should 
like what is your music going to add to their lives why should they listen to you over someone else and that type of thing but if you're at that point provide that context and things will be much easier now lastly i've got one more point to tell you about uh it's it's a really really interesting psychological study that was done by a behavioral scientist called ellen langer and she wanted to find out whether the word because affected people's uh, the, the, and made more people agree with other people's requests. Okay. So is, is the single word because capable of making more people comply? Pretty crazy to think about that one word can make such a difference, but it does. And I think you need to implement it into your messaging, into the way you contact people when you're booking shows, when you're like trying to negotiate with people. Use the word because. Now, let me tell you why. So, the way that they uh, tested for this was to go to a busy office space. And inside this office space, there were a bunch of people lined up to use a photocopier machine. Now, obviously, uh, those people are in a hurry. They It's boring to have to wait around. They need their copies done to continue their work. So, if someone was to walk up and ask to cut in front of the line... That's something that no one's really going to be that happy with. So it goes to show that if a test works here, then it obviously works, right? Because they're putting it straight in, throwing it straight into the lion's den. And uh, almost in a literal way with how some people act about when they're in a hurry. So when the first group of people were lined up to use the photocopy machine, the first uh, you know, tester was sent up to try to see if they could cut to the front of the line by using specific wording. Now, when they walked up, they said to the people in line, hey, do you guys mind if I cut to the front of the line? 60% said yes, and 40% said no, get to the back of the line. Okay, so realistically, that's not too good of a success rate. It's kind of like 50-50, half the people did. Uh, you know, that's okay, but not fantastic. So 60% said yes, 40% said no. So, Ellen Langer wanted to find out, with that being the base control kind of thing, if the word because allowed people um, to, you know, get a better response out of a group of people. So, anyway, as these people lined up to use the photocopy machine, I think a new group of people, right? Uh, another person walked up and said, hey, do you guys mind if I cut to the front of the line because I'm in a hurry? And because of uh, that word, because, uh, instead of 60 94% of people said yes, and only 6% of people said no, get to the back of line. When they, they obviously ran this test over many groups to find a, an actual average, right? But 94% said yes, from 60 to 94 because the word because was used. Now, you might be thinking that that probably has nothing to do with the word because and everything to do with the reason, right? Because I'm in a hurry. So, they thought that too. So, they sent up a third group of people to test uh, if they remove a good reason from it and they just use the word because, uh, you know, does that affect it uh, the same way? Because if it didn't, it would go back to about 60% of people saying yes and 40% of people saying no. Anyway, they sent up this person to another group and I've said multiple people, of course, but, you know, for the sake of the story, they say, imagine they sent one person to make it easy to understand. And uh, they sent him up and said, hey, do you mind if I use the photocopy machine because I have to make some copies? That's a terrible reason, right? Because everyone has to make copies. They're all standing in line to make copies. Yet, because of them saying the word because, even though the reason was terrible, uh, the the, opti- uh, the people who that opted in for them to cut to the front of the line went to 93%. So, they lost 1% of people by removing the reasons. So, that goes to show that the word because really affects people and really makes them believe you more. Because if you use the word because, it goes to show that you have some form of reasoning that they don't have, that you must know something they don't have. So, instead of them having to ask questions and find out, a lot of people will just let you do what you're asking to do. It's that same thing of, I guess it's like the verbal equivalent of putting on a uniform and just walking and acting like you belong somewhere. And you see in like prank videos, people just walk into 
any establishment like they own the place and like, may as well walk straight into an open bank vault, right? Just because you're wearing a, a security guard's uniform. It's the same thing. Use the word because and people are going to become much uh, more compliant with your requests, okay? And, and even if you don't, you know, supply a good reason. But then again, with that 1% increase, you can see that a good reason does definitely help. Uh, but they do say later on in that study that when they started uh, increasing the request of how many copies the person had, uh, I think a lot of people assume that when they said, do you mind if I jump to the front? I'm in a hurry that they don't have many copies to do. But if they said, hey, can I jump to the front line? And they had a lot of copies in their hand, it drastically reduced in, in opt-in rate. People did not respond to people with, to someone asking to cut in front, regardless of whether they had a reason, regardless of whether they said because, or if they didn't, uh, if they had a lot of copies to do, because they could see that it wasn't worth the time they'd lose by doing that. So it goes to show you can't do this on massive requests, but if you're doing it on smaller things that won't inconvenience the other person that much, but will greatly help you, definitely use the word because. If you can come up with a good reason, fantastic, but if you can't, just use the word because and it will help you out uh, so much. So anyway, uh, those are some little persuasion tips from this book. As I said, if you want to pick it up, you can. It's called Yes, uh, 50 Scientifically Proven Ways to Be Persuasive by Noah J. Goldstein, Steve J. Martin, and Robert Cialdini. If you haven't read any Robert Cialdini stuff before and you like this type of content, definitely go check it out. Now, um, I tried to kind of make it... um, I kind of repeated it as as it was written in this book. It's kind of very easy to understand and written that way. Robert Chudini writes a bit more academically, so it's a little bit... Um I don't know. He's a very, very good author, but I mean, if if you, this is probably better for if you're like half interested, if you're like really nerdy interested about it, check out Robert Cialdini. Uh, he's definitely fantastic for that. But this, it's it's just amazing. It's a really easy read, and it's uh, it's really cool to know all that kind of thing. But I'll be talking about these types of principles all the time because obviously this book doesn't talk about their application to the music industry. So I kind of like take these types of things as I do with all my books and run it through. Uh, my filters and how I've written a book and try to come the, uh, come to this conclusion of like, um, you know, a combination between, you know, the 4D songwriter and whatever book I'm reading to make sure that it can help you with your music goals. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned because I'll be doing more and more of that in the future. But anyway, have a fantastic day, week, afternoon, whatever it may be, wherever you're in the world. Stay safe. Thank you so much for everyone who has messaged me about checking in to see if I'm good all over, uh, if I'm all good over here with the bushfires going on. That type of uh, care is really nice. It goes to show that I have some amazing people listening to this podcast. So, definitely, like, pray for rain here because I tell you, we need more of it. And uh, I can't believe it. There's, it's been estimated that 1 billion wildlife have been lost in these fires, which is absolutely just devastating to hear. It's unfathomable. Hey, 1 billion. There's like species that have gone extinct because of these wildfires. They say that it's the biggest thing to affect Australia since World War II. Mental. But anyway, thanks for having us in your thoughts. Uh, you know, donate to the RFS if you have, uh, if you want to be able to help. That's the Australian Fire Brigade uh, that will go out there and they're doing their thing. And uh, those guys are the real heroes. So giving to them is going to help. So, anyway, thank you so much for everything. Uh, thanks for sticking around. And I'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the I Am Northbound podcast. You made it all the way to the end. I hope you loved it. Why not check out another episode? I'm sure you can find one right below wherever you found this one. But before you do, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. And it would mean the world to me if you could either leave a rating and a review for this podcast or share it out to your followers. That act of kindness goes so much further than you may think. It helps me help more music change the world.